This is your host, Silas Dean, and this is a Creep Time original podcast, The Sinister. So please make sure to go check out Creep Time, the podcast, right after this show. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. The dark web is fascinating. It is mysterious, it's alluring, but it is also terrifying. And I have only ever known the dark web to be terrifying. So when I heard the story, it was very unusual to me because it's kind of a dark web redemption story. It is about a woman who went missing in a very rural part of the United States and pictures surfaced from the dark web that would ultimately lead police to her captors. It's kind of counterintuitive to imagine the dark web ever being used for good, but ultimately, a tip like this that came into the FBI was something that really turned this case around, which was effectively going cold. So in this story, it not only got this woman the justice she deserved, but it exposed something much darker going on behind the scenes. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of The Sinister with Silas. I'm your host, Silas Dean, and every week I come right on here to hang out with you right after an episode of Creep Time, the podcast, and I cover the eeriest stories that I know. Please follow and subscribe to this podcast, and you can turn on the bell notifications so that you never have to miss an episode. And I would also appreciate it if you could leave a review or share this podcast that you can get the stories of The Sinister out to more people. Thanks again for stopping by, and with that, let's get into our story. Now, it's pretty difficult to imagine that most people at this point don't know what the dark web actually is. So to give you the official definition, it is part of the World Wide Web, (laughs) which I haven't heard anybody call it that, um, that is only accessible by means of specialty software, allowing users and websites operators to remain completely anonymous or untraceable. To go a bit further into this, to give you some of the nefarious backstory, the dark web poses new and formidable challenges to law enforcement agencies around the world, because you can typically find things on the dark web that would never be allowed or would be considered highly illegal on the surface web, which is your run-of-the-mill websites, right? Google, Facebook, etc. You would find things like ransomware, you would find dark markets, possibly hitmen, organ trafficking, human trafficking, you would find drugs. So that's our baseline for the dark web. So how could something that has such a seedy underbelly somehow play into a story of redemption and would expose something truly, truly evil going on in the woods that was ultimately connected back to this missing woman? 
So let's first talk about the tip that came in. So the first tip that came in was from a dark web user. So the person is completely anonymous, untraceable. The importance of this tip was what it showed. They were photos that were forwarded to the FBI, which were then later forwarded to the county department that was overseeing Dallas County in Missouri. They appeared to be photos that were taken in the woods that showed a woman in extreme distress who was being held in a cage in the forest in the dark. Now, these photos, of course, have not been made public, but from the descriptions of what police saw in them, it was an entire series that not only showed the actual surroundings, the circumstances of the cage, but also appeared to be photos of her being tortured repeatedly and eventually photos that showed her being killed. What was disturbing is that not only were these photos being distributed on the dark web from a single source, but the person who sent them into the FBI seemed to identify her. They claimed that she was a missing woman from Hamilton County, Missouri, 33-year-old Cassidy Rainwater. And they were correct. So who exactly was Cassidy Rainwater? Now, she was a woman who was local to Missouri, and she was actually a mother. She did not have custody of her child because she was going through a tough spot in life. So other family members were caring for her child, and Cassidy was believed to be homeless at this time. It was around 2019 to 2020 where they believe Cassidy might have disappeared, or she was unofficially categorized as missing by her family. Again, she was homeless, she was struggling, she was trying very hard to get her life together, but ultimately, she became a vulnerable person who was taken advantage of and then found herself swept up in something extremely, extremely nefarious. So after this anonymous tip came in that showed all of this evidence and this woman who was very clearly fitting the profile of Cassidy Rainwater, the police looked at it and they looked at the surrounding area And almost immediately, they knew who to get a search warrant for. So they wasted absolutely no time. They got a search warrant the very next morning, and it was for Moon Valley Road, a property on there that belonged to 58-year-old James Phelps. Now, shockingly, James Phelps was actually no stranger to this investigation. He had previously been looked at because he was connected back to Cassidy Rainwater when she was originally reported missing. So it was around August of that year where people had reported her missing, and one of the original witness statements claimed that James was one of the last people that she was with. So when they had originally questioned him, and they were like, had you seen her? Where was she? He claimed that Cassidy had been living with him. She was down on her luck. She needed somebody to help her out, a place to stay. He opened up his home to her, but he claimed that she left in July, got up, didn't say anything, never said goodbye, and had loosely talked about maybe going out to Colorado. None of this was true. They felt that James and his property, since it was so remote, it was so rural, and it did have a vast forest surrounding it, felt suspicious, but they really had nothing to go off of to get that original search warrant. However... Once this tip comes in from the dark web to the FBI back to Dallas County, it is 100% on. That forest was on James's property. These pictures, they align. So they get that warrant. They storm his property. They've got all these officers, guns drawn, search warrant ready. And the second they're there, they described it as like being instantly aware. They were like, this 
is the place. This absolutely matches those pictures. Cassidy Rainwater is somewhere on this property. And of course, this James Phelps guy, he is just bewildered, you know, absolutely terrified. And he's kind of playing dumb, saying, like, what could you possibly want here? I I gave you everything. I told you everything I know. They don't care. They are searching the grounds every inch. Now, it wouldn't be long on this property before they find their evidence. They uncover the cage in which Cassidy was kept. Her body is no longer there, but this is absolutely the cage seen in the pictures. And the pictures from the descriptions, although they have never been formally released to the public, were extremely graphic. Not only were there signs of torture, beating, malnutrition, and that she had been kept in this cage for a prolonged period of time, but eventually once she is killed, it is described that there are multiple pictures that kind of show her strung up like an animal, and she is dissected is the only way to really describe it from the research. She is dissected, photographed, dissected more, photographed more. So she was completely mutilated on this property. We just don't know what the aftermath was at this point. Where did he put her? Now, the search would continue on the property, and they eventually start to confiscate multiple devices from his home, his computer, his phone. These photos, these leaks, were the tip of the iceberg. I mean, he had massive galleries photographing her on his computer. He had hordes of pictures. But outside of the digital evidence, when they searched the remainder of the home, the most terrifying part of this is what they found in his fridge. They would open the fridge where they found basically hunks of wrapped up meat that were all dated 724. 724 was believed to be the last date in which Cassidy was seen by other people. When that meat was taken from the fridge and then later tested, it was confirmed that was the body of Cassidy Rainwater. This is a bombshell discovery. I mean, huge, huge, horrific news story because people really hadn't seen anything like this in Dallas County. So he is taken into custody, Phelps, He won't speak, completely mute, will not cooperate at all with the interrogation. But what's interesting here is that he shockingly did not live alone. He had a housemate, like a roommate. So then we look at 56-year-old Timothy Norton. This is the housemate. He was a truck driver, I believe. He is brought in for questioning, completely shocked. He has no, no idea, has never seen Cassidy, had no idea this was going on, claimed he was off working. A tap into his phone records would show that that was not true. In fact, according to his phone records, his proximity data, he was on the property on 724. The date that Cassidy Rainwater disappeared, the date the meet was marked. So things are changing with his story. Apparently, on 724, it looks like James showed up with Cassidy and was trying to restrain her and asked Timothy to help him, which he did. He became his accomplice. So I'm hearing this and I'm thinking to myself, how is it possible that these two men, two separate evil men, could have found each other to create this conspiracy, right? To kidnap this woman, to kill this woman together. And looking into their history, some of their backstory, 
it's actually wild because it goes back way further, way, way further than I anticipated. They have known each other since high school. So the two of them were like lifelong friends. They went to school together in Missouri, graduated, each went off into the military. I think Timothy was married a couple of times. James was always kind of a loner, very aloof. So once they're both single later in life, 56, 58, they became housemates and things just got darker. They got seedier and eventually they conspire to kidnap this woman. They killed Cassidy together. And what's really crazy about this investigation is that this gets even wilder because they had essentially booby-trapped the entire property. So James and Timothy, they assumed that eventually police were going to come looking for them, or at least they were ready for it because they had created tripwires pretty much all around the perimeter of the property together. So once these tripwires were set off from, you know, people searching the property, bombs went off, fires went out, and half the woods had like burned down around the property, which destroyed so much evidence. And really, it kind of tampered with the entire investigation. I mean, it halted things quite a bit, but it was very, very clear. If there was, if there's anybody who's culpable in this, it's these two guys. But it's actually interesting, and it's really not that simple. There's even more of a conspiracy behind the tripwires, right? There were some people, because effectively, I mean, this had burned down like the entire home and all of the surrounding woods destroyed quite a bit of evidence. So a lot of people, especially people who were following this case from the public statements of the FBI, they were quick to say, this looks like a cover-up, like there might be some big people involved who maybe wanted to ensure that like, okay, if this is getting unraveled, if, if, if you like the jig is up, we need to burn the whole place to the ground. Of course, that's not confirmed, but what we would learn from the data that was retrieved on the computer was that this ran much, much deeper. So first, let's talk about the tip that originally came into the FBI that exposed all of this. Allegedly, it came in from Germany, but we don't know if that's actually true. Again, because most people who use the dark web are using some kind of a VPN, something that's going to bounce which country they're coming from or they're viewing from, right? But what we do think was happening here is that he was basically filleting the body and then was storing it in the fridge and freezer, and it was being sold as a cannibalistic black market sale. He was chopping up people and then selling the meat online, is the thought. So then we turn our attention, because at this point, James, he's still not talking. Timothy starts to talk. He is unraveling, and he says that this was not the first time they did this, and that they had actually been going out together to Walmarts to look for potential victims. Victims who would be brought there, kept in the cage. It was a pretty elaborate system, so clearly they had the facilities that were set up to do this again and again and again. Cassidy just happened to be a perfect victim. Timothy claims that on the 24th, she was there. She had already been you know, captured, was attacked. She's on the floor of the living room. James had called Timothy to come over. He had Cassidy restrained. He strangled her until she was dead. They then hung her up, carved and filleted the body, photographed it while they were doing so to take pictures of what they described as inventory. 
and then the body was transported piece by piece, fully dismembered, to the bathtub where it was further carved. Once the meat of the body was carved off, it was wrapped up, dated, and then placed in the fridge and freezer and posted for sale, we can assume. This is an extremely dark operation that was going down on this property. But after doing my own digging into this, it's largely believed that Timothy's story is not 100% concrete. It might actually be worse than we think, because according to his story, it sounds like the day that she had kind of disappeared was the day that she died. That does not appear to be the case according to the description of the pictures. The pictures which showed her in the cage, which showed evidence she was in there and she was tortured for a very long time. She was malnourished. She was beaten. She had been tortured. It was clear that it was not a capture and kill. They took their time. They took their time and probably did things that Timothy did not admit to in his interrogation. And what's really kind of menacing about all of this is that both of the men eventually go on, of course, they're charged, but they would both accept plea deals. Plea deals which would effectively guarantee that each of them are receiving the maximum sentence, but the death penalty is off the table. So they would each receive a sentencing of life without parole. They will both die in prison. The problem with this is that because they accepted the plea deal, each of them, there's no court trial. And if there's no court trial, there's really no reason for investigation in the eyes of the police. So we don't actually know, outside of what Timothy has said, what exactly happened to her. Like, what were her final days, weeks, or months like, you know? We, it's strange to say because she technically does have justice from this tip, this anonymous tip that came in from the dark web of what was going on, who she was. And it's interesting to think about like who who would have been able to tell who she was if it wasn't somebody who was local who found this, you know? Why did they submit the tip? Why did they want to seek justice for Cassidy? It, it just seemed odd to me to think about somebody who was maybe seeking out this content or this service, whether they were looking to buy or it was voyeuristic, somehow knew this woman or felt for this woman or was able to track down who this woman was and then report it to the FBI. Interesting also they would report it to the FBI and not report it to Dallas County. But nonetheless, it does get reported, of course. Her killers are eventually brought to justice, but we don't fully know what exactly she went through. So her story has kind of become a horrific and tragic tale of something that was kind of unimaginable for this county. But oddly enough, possibly not the first time it has happened. Like I said, this is a county and this was a property that seemed like it had the facilities to carry out this practice again and again. So who is to say that Cassidy Rainwater was their first victim? In all reality, she most likely was not. But that's really as far as the story will actually take us, because like I said, we don't have any further investigation. So if there's one way to sort of bookend this and take a full circle approach, I would cite back to the dark web where this all sort of started. 
it's interesting to kind of pull apart the two different ways that the dark web was used in this scenario, because we often think of it in the context of these two men. They clearly had the means, and with the dark web, they had a methodology to carry out a system, a practice of sale that was evil. We'll just never really know who the vigilante was who was able to use the dark web to not only source and find this information, how they were able to identify that's Cassidy Rainwater, but also they were able to get a tip to the FBI anonymously. They effectively brought a close to this case. I mean, we don't even know how much longer this could have gone on with these two guys. It could have been, we would assume if they had an operation or a sale going on, this could have gone on for months. It could have gone on for years. They were actively looking for victims. So it's kind of an odd redemption story for the dark web in this way to at least say like, of course, this was the means for how this all began, but it was also a means to an end. And that is our story of Cassidy Rainwater, the missing woman who was found and it uncovered something much darker. I want to thank all of you for sticking around for this episode of The Sinister. Thank you for listening to the story, and I will catch you next week on another episode.